0: Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and with the ever-growing, in all kinds of ways, human being, but in particular his hair, maybe his pubic hair as well, I don't know, but his hair... (laughs) Liam Morgan. And on a serious, serious note, you got to trim your pubes as a surfer. Now, every surfer knows that, men and women. Well, you might live in the tropics, it's different, but, well, actually, then, there, I mean, the tropics is even more important because you're wearing speedos and stuff. I mean, look at Jamie O'Brien, but the, getting in and out of a wetsuit. Well, you do not want to get Chanton, not. Have you heard about Chanton, though?
1: No. Bobby I think we're about to. Quite a lot of <laughs> listeners that don't know. This is from my buddy Ryan. three listeners that are still with us, <laughs> after is, your in- this, introduction.
0: This is my buddy Ryan, who once said, oh, mate, you got chart. You saw my knob. Oh my and God. And it had boobs stuck in it. And now this is boys being silly for you. And he went, mate, you got chart knot. I was like, what's that? And he's like, you know, Bobby John. I was like, oh, because Bobby John was a famous footballer, for those of you don't know, who had a bald head, who combed over these kind of two strands That's right and that was what was happening to my uh my special delicate area so yeah you know ever since then i have really tried to keep it trimmed back and the thing is when i really think about it i think the only thing to talk about on this podcast is pubes but thank you for that i have an obsession and about my hair it. and your hair but and it's the, growing the mindful
1: pube watcher
0: it's <laughs> it's growing it is growing. growing it's looking really good mate well this seems know. to be something we start with each week now it's kind of like a bit of a thing hair
1: watch Hair watch. We'll get Michaela Strachan and Chris Packham in here. It's like spring I, watch, but for hair. I, I don't think know. It's
0: because of lockdown.
1: Because yeah. no one's getting haircuts. I think and
0: everyone's hair's kind of going back. That's crazy. what we
1: were saying. Yeah. It's really strange, isn't it? But there you go. Like I said, to our three listeners who are still with us. <laughs> <laughs> they've just got nothing else to listen to. Welcome back. Welcome it's back. nice to be back to the mindful surfer. But apart from your, um, increasing obsession with hair of all varieties, what's your news? What you've been up to? I know. Do you right. want to tell the? Do you want to tell the mindful surfers what you've been up to? I've been surfing a lot. I did
0: 11 days in a row. We had a serious run of swell, um, which sort of culminated, I suppose, is the word you'd use, on the Monday. To those of you who are unaware of what happened in Europe, I mean, Nazaré had 80-foot waves. On the west coast of France, it was all towing stuff, 30, 40-foot waves. Devon Cornwall were getting 20, 25-foot waves, but clean, all clean. And the south of Devon, which is where in Dorset, et cetera, where we are, got that swell too, but we got it in a very, very unique direction. It came in directly, which is really rare for where we are. We tend to miss these swells. It really, really pumped. I went to a certain spot, I've not surfed before, that's kind of like a semi-secret, so we won't mention any names, but went there for the first time and paddled out on my puddle jumper, which a lot of you have probably heard of, the Lost model puddle jumper. It's more of a groveler type board, but it does surf like a shoreboard. It shreds Mm. and in anything from... I'd say waist upwards, like good waist high though, not like slack, but good waist, chest high up to like maybe a foot or two overhead, but not much more. And I started paddling out and I saw this set starting to appear on the horizon and the set went all the way across the bay and I'm paddling. I've never surfed this spot before. It's over reef. It breaks in particular in this one spot of this reef, but the whole reef was about to close out and I carried on paddling Bearing in mind I'm on a groveler, which has got seriously high literage, which is very hard to duck dive in big waves as well. Yeah,
1: tell me about it. And <laughs> you know about that? That was for, the first time for, for a long experience. time I've nearly drowned.
0: Yeah, true, true. <laughs> and actually, that's funny. It's often that question from your dear wife. Will, did you almost drown him again? Yeah, well, we got close this time, but I'll make sure I don't do it next time. We'll put like a life rest <laughs> round him or something,
1: or an impact vest. I've got my eyes on those for a five-foot day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice. And I... I haven't ditch dove. So you have duck diving, and then you have the ditch dive. And the ditch dive, for those of you who don't know, is where you throw your board out of the way because the wave's just too big. There's no way you're going to paddle under that duck dive. And this thing's coming towards me, and it's getting on for – I've surfed in big waves, and this was 15 to 20 feet of face, so triple overhead easily, but thick. It's all about the increments of fear, isn't it? Mm. So this thing is detonating. It's about mm. to throw, mm. and it threw. And I was just, I'm done. I'm not like, I'm cooked. And I just threw a board out the way. I swam. Swam down, got pulled under it, got whipped up, span round, dot, 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 cap going, spinning, spinning. I thought I was finding my way up. I wasn't. I then hit the bottom. So I thought that was the way up, but I was then on the bottom of the reef. And I was freaking out. And it was scary. It was a proper, proper hold down. I haven't had one for a long time. And it shook me up. And then I was like, shit, I'm on my own. I haven't eaten for a few hours because I tend to fast when I surf. So I've just had a coffee that morning and it's getting on for, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon. And it shook me up a little bit. The key for me is the deep breathing. That's what brought me back. And before I knew it, I was sort of refocusing with the breath. There's no way I'd recalibrate my hormones. All the hormones are adrenaline, norepinephrine, dopamine. Everything is just so heightened into fight and flight. And you've got to find a way of just bringing it back down some way. That's applicable to all of us. We're all going to find ourselves in surfing in some way, shape or form in waves that take us into overwhelm. And uh, got to have some kind of tool that we can use to calm things down. And for me, it's deep breathing. Once I got the deep breathing back, I had four really only good waves, but each one was just like being abroad. And I felt like I rolled back the years and I felt like I still got it. And I could have been in Bali. it could have been anywhere. I just, it was pumping.
1: Yeah, we've been blessed. Well, you've been on the little hunt for those little semi-secrets as we won't talk about them in here but overall i mean probably you guys have seen the pictures out there where the north coast was absolutely going off and um, looked both magnificent and frightening and croyd was looking off the charts wasn't it on the pictures that we saw but we were really blessed down here because it's thrown up a variety of different conditions to try from the insane to the sublime really and again there's some shots of places out there that you can go check out but it has been a good run i haven't been surfing as much as you because I've been working and homeschooling kids and all that sort You've of stuff. You've got jazz. an actual job. So I've got a... Yeah. Yeah. So I, ah. I forget, I'm like, oh, I could go surfing. Oh, actually, I've got children and a job to kind of... I've yeah. got some responsibilities. That's where I am
0: maybe different. I'm like, I've got the kids, but oh, maybe I'm still going to yeah. go... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a bit more of a cunt than Liam let's be honest
1: <laughs> Liam's much nicer than me yeah he's dropped the C-bomb as well C-bomb already. I've done yeah, it, Pu- done I it. Did,
0: <sighs> it's the P and the C they've done yeah. the pubes and now I've done the, <laughs> the cunt there we go but no Second it has, time.
1: has been brilliant and uh, as you've seen from some of the social you know surfing and hanging out and we're very lucky to have access to that beach and we don't forget it you know even on the sort of little days and it's great to be able to sort of within a few minutes of the house go and and surf and we know that a lot of people out there are not able to do that at the moment so it's just looking at ways that we can all kind of enjoy that as a collective group and you know some of us will be in and some of us won't be and that won't last forever there'll be days when we get to go and there'll be days when we don't get to go and it's how do we sort of balance it out and stay mindful and breathe and still enjoy being a surfer but um, like the ocean gives us those flat days, we're in a bit of a, at times, if you can't get to the beaches that we get to, yeah, it feels a bit flat, doesn't it? It feels like longest flat spell we've ever been through, but hopefully there's a little bit of a glimmer of uh, hope and sunshine through the clouds now.
0: Big time. It makes me think of the um, hedonic cycle of the surfer, which is this constant search for better, for more, in order to be happier, Yeah, basically, and... God, the loss of perspective. If I think back to when I used to live in London and I longed to live by the coast, no matter what that coast was, it could be one foot on shore. I'd be fucking buzzing. Absolutely. And I was, and I'm originally from the coast, but I lived and worked in London for uh, almost 10 years. Still travel for waves constantly, which was a blessing in itself. But I used to get so annoyed and down and upset and frustrated that I wasn't living by the sea and... The amazing thing is I get to now, and here's what's fascinating. It's just the mind, the ego, whatever you want to call it, just goes on to the next thing once you get adapted. Become adapted to having waves all the time where we are here. Now, yes, they're very, very crumbly, but my goodness me, they're waves. And would that younger self, would that younger self have been grabbed that? With both hands and be like, oh my goodness, thank you so much for this little experience of being able to live by this even just crumbly wave. Yes, it would have. And would this person who is now sat here today, you know, when I can see that starting to get, dare I say, grumpy, never that. But not more just a bit, a bit bored with the waves that we have one minute down the road. It's crazy how the mind just keeps going on to the next thing. Now, don't be wrong. I think there's two sides to that. There's one which is that we've got to learn how to let go of that. On one side, one half of that, because it is insane, because there is no such thing as perfection. Mm. I think on the other side, it refers to flow. The question is, did I have more flow when I went down the beach and surf better ways? Yes, I did. Is there value in that hedonic cycle, in that ambition to want to experience flow? Yeah, I think there is, 100%. I just think where surfers do themselves a lot of damage is that they believe that the reason why they're not happy is because they're not getting that flow experienced all the time. because it's just not realistic. You can't expect to be in the vortex every single surf.
1: Well, otherwise, there wouldn't be a vortex. There you go. You've got to experience the ups and the downs and familiarity, you, you get used to it, which, in a way, I'm not going to talk about this book now because I sort of gave a teaser last episode. And when I finished it, I'll give a bit of an overall review. But This Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler, who is a surfer as well, as, as I mentioned, he wrote West of Jesus and his latest book is this almost this flow stack of the things you need to combine in order to achieve what he is saying is the impossible, but it actually is not if you can stack these things in your favor. And for some people, as I say, the impossible comes with a capital I. And those people, probably the likes of Laird Hamilton, even what Adam's doing, you know, Kyle Lenny, all of these, because there's a sort of biological function in there. And then they do the, uh, they're motivated, they're curious, they get the practice, and then they achieve the flow. But you can do that in what we would consider our normal lives, that we're capable of so much more than we often achieve. I'm sort of reluctant to use the word achieve because you've got to be happy with where no, you are. Not what you mean, but having this sort of growth mindset and having a curiosity, let's say that that's kind of knits us all together to try other things, to experience at another level of what you've got. Because there's a huge dopamine release from the things that you do that excite you. And surfing is exactly that. So if you find that bit that's just on the edges of your comfort zone, but not sort of pushing the safety zone, then the dopamine hit that comes from that makes you want to try that again and try maybe something that's even more eventually, once you get some level of mastery, in order to kind of give you that hit. So it is like a drug. As we've always said, it's the best drug. It is a drug at the same time, because you're getting that dopamine release that you would get from synthetic or even natural sort of substances. It's kind of trying to work out, and this is where the scarcity thing comes in, is if you have it in scarcity, every time you go back to it, it feels great. So that could be any conditions. Whereas if you have it in abundance... It's like taking the same drug every day. Your tolerance levels start to kick in and you've got to go harder and harder and harder. So in some ways, the ocean gives you your needed cold turkey sometimes in its flat spells to stop you going, ah, I want that again and again. The mind will want to sort of have that dopamine hit because that's what minds do. And the body enjoys it as well. It's trying to kind of work out where that sweet spot lies Mm -hmm. and sort of enjoy what you get. So as we say, get wet and don't get upset. But equally, for progression and for flow, you do have to dial up that sometimes, which is when you're surfing those more powerful waves, it gives you that release that's required. If you did it every day on those much more powerful waves, you'd be itching to go and surf pipe or jaws or mavericks or whatever. It's fascinating, isn't it? Everybody, just going back to that point there, everybody's idea of impossible is different, but it's still achievable within the context of feeding your curiosity, getting that motivation to push you into that zone, and then having the access to the right place to practice.
0: Beautifully put, my friend. Aristotle, the famous philosopher, talked about these four pillars of happiness, which relates directly to what yeah. you're saying. It's fascinating, being that there are four types of happiness that we experience, pleasure, satisfaction, contentment, and meaning. And when you apply them to surfing, it's fascinating because you know, we, we have this thing called flow. There'll be surfs you've had and will have in your life where you're just fucking buzzing. And that's the flow. That's the dopamine. It's like a drug. You are stoked. You're vibrating with such high energy of pleasure, pure pleasure, joy, whatever words you want to use, excitement, and all those kinds of things. And that's what we call the pleasure corner or pillar of happiness. But if that's the pillar from which we cement, shall I say, our surf happiness overall to, it's very, very dangerous. Because we're not going to be able to achieve it every time, like you just said. And it's going to be that constant search for that next high. And that's not even very hard to achieve. It's actually impossible to achieve. So we've got to cultivate deeper qualities within the surf life that we have, which are of, let's say, we'll choose contentment. And contentment is gratitude. You know, you're not always going to be in the flow, but you can be in the sea, so to speak. And just enjoy the fact that you're with friends. And that you're healthy, and then there's the view, and you've got your whole vibe going on, and yeah. that's not flow, let's say, but it's another kind of flow. It's a calmer, yeah, state of flow. It's a more like, yeah, the waves are, by world standards, pretty darn awful, but I'm having a great time because I'm just going to relax into this and be with my friends, and yeah, that's a really that's a much deeper quality that a lot of people could engineer. Now, what's really interesting is someone then might have really developed that kind of happiness in their surfing beautifully and done brilliantly, but not actually develop as much as the pure pleasure aspects because they've not put the work into their fitness, into their mindset, into the coaching aspects and how can they get better and being on the right
1: boards and getting into bigger waves. And do you see what I mean? So that's a balance within itself. Absolutely, Not going for it enough, basically. Yeah, not going. I completely agree. And I think I sort of rewind a little bit to, I was giving this some thought and actually doing this, show and us 2 will talking about mindfulness and appreciation and gratitude and familiarity so this sort of knits together with that is that when i lived in australia and just a long time ago now for only a year back in 1998 i think it was a long time ago i think harold bishop was still our neighbors or whatever
0: the year michael owen scored the goal of well i'm obviously biased i mean the goal of the century yeah check it out 1998 michael owen if you've not seen it yeah
1: I think it was the year Barnsley were in the Premiership as well. I was on the other side of the world. Go on, lad. Go A lot of surfing, Barnsley. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this ties into the story, by the way. There is a nice segue in this. I was living periodically around Sydney and going back from uh, Circular Quay, I think, as it was called, or Circular Quay, as the Americans used to maybe call it, back to Manly, and you got the Manly ferry, and you kind of go out, out through the harbour. And, you know, I come from this place that didn't necessarily have that picture, that scenery. Sorry, South Yorkshire. But you kind of have this kind of vibe of, wow, it's not familiar, it's new, and it's incredible, and it's stimulating. But all the while, this is a commuter ferry as well. So there's people sat reading newspaper and just not looking up at the view, because that's their thing. That's what they do every day. It's nothing to them. We're in the same place and the same situation and some people are heads down and that's nothing new and they might think, they might know it's beautiful and they get a lot out of it. But the wonder and awe that this thing was presenting me, I couldn't believe that everybody wasn't just looking out the window. And then there were sort of moments because of that sort of stimulation that I was getting through being in a totally different environment with great scenery and great places and that feeling of being away and being young and all of that stuff combined. When I didn't know what meditation necessarily was or mindfulness, and as I said, if i have gone and told myself, I'd have thought some sort of woo-woo old guy coming back and talking about this. But really when I used to hit these moments of exactly that, I felt like flow. I would describe it at the time as a contentment. And I'd come back, when I came back and started working, I'd be like, do you know, there was this time when I, I used to feel these periods of utter calm and contentment. During that experience, that sort of stimulating experience where you were curious to try new things and you was a passion and you'd hit these moments that were actually calm moments. We're not talking about surfing where you're just looking at incredible scenery and you don't understand what, well, I didn't understand at the time what it was, but actually what it was was a sort of flow state and a real being in the here and now. That's exactly. It was a, it was the be here now moment. And the feeling that that engendered was one of absolute contentment. And it's strange that you kind of spend your whole life then trying to replicate that. And it's only when you think, oh, what was it? Well, it was just a being happy to be in the here and now. And in some ways, you can take that and you could be, you know, looking at the Blue Mountains in in Australia, or you could be sat in your car (laughs) in a traffic jam on the M5. It's just how do you take that moment and tune it into your mind? And that's something that is a constant search still, by the way. I haven't achieved that all the time. But when I now understand maybe what that was, that feeling was, you can start to kind of try and dial it into the aspects of your life where it isn't as stimulating.
0: No, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that we've talked about this a lot. Is it's sort of there's those mindful moments, yeah, interspersed with phenomenal amounts of mindless moments. Yeah. And how do you know you've had a mindless moment? Is when you have a mindful one. And how do you know you're having a mindful moment? Is because you though you've been having mindless ones, I don't think you stay in the present all day because you're human. When you realise you've gone into autopilot mode and it's not served you or others, you catch yourself. You yeah. get better at doing that. That is the journey. Of mindfulness yeah. is catching when you you're going into your autopilot, your behaviour that you've always done, your you know your mindsets you've done, your this kind of repetitive "I am the way I am, things are the way they are, you know, there's no hope." It's this thing. When you start to go into that sort of downward bit or whatever it might be for you, stressed bit? Da, 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 is you can you're preventing? Yeah, you're not having to get on the surgeon's table anymore you're not having to get into the psychiatrist's chair because you never got there because you prevented yeah. rather than cured you didn't get to like the point of stress where you had to take drugs to yeah. alleviate it you didn't get to the point of immobility where you needed surgery you mindfulness you listen catch it because when you're present why wouldn't you being present you you're there i'm noticing that's not what i want let's change that let's take a deep breath let's eat a different food let's stop arguing and just calm our voices down a little bit and try and reason here or whatever it might be you know that those mindful moments are are there to bring us back to who we really are because yeah. we aren't our behaviors or what we do for jobs or any of that bullshit we are that sentient being within who can make a choice consciously
1: and that's it at those moments you were only ever there that was what i was there i wasn't the things i then later maybe thought i became you know when you get jobs and ego creeps in and you've got shield builds and all that you go back to that state almost that childlike state of just that moment is the only moment. And the release of chemicals that that gives you inside your body is really good. As surfers, we know we're fortunate. I can now use that old Jerry Lopez thing about the back door into, um, Zen really, isn't it? It is like the sort of wardrobe into Narnia, the sort of, you go through this little secret hatch and the kind of flow state or experience that we've talked about often that you get from surfing, you hear it from surfers of all levels, depending on what their kind of flow state experience is and where it sits on the scale of, let's call it either fear or um, experience, you know, ability, is that it is a quick hack and it gives you a realization of being in the here and now, that moment of this is it, this is all there is. And therefore, whatever that then releases inside your system is the bit that we often search for. It's not necessarily the search for the wave. It's a search for that feeling. And that's um, that's where it is. Beautifully put. How did we go from pubes and haircuts to that? How we <laughs> that's how we roll.
0: That's how we roll. My favorite conversations are the ones where you can go from talking about body parts and booze and whatever else. My humor generally centers in a pretty childlike way around body parts and poos all the way to let's talk about self-love and the universe yeah. so they're the best kind of conversations keep it light get it deep keep it light get it deep and let fluff around the middle too but it's great when you can have that exchange with someone that's what that's one of the big things i noticed in you when i first got to know you was you could do that exchange really well you could quickly switch to something fucking stupid and have a good laugh and then switch back because what's the difference it's all just conscious conversation you're just having conversation whereas some people do do get very easily offended
1: by certain things you may or may not say about kind of rude things or whatever it might be yeah it's about having like minds isn't it but also this idea that i've said at the very beginning first episodes i think we were doing when we're kind of taking this show from our car journeys to go surfing to recording stuff is that your life is really serious isn't it it's really hard sometimes it's not easy it's a struggle and for some more than others you know we are very very privileged and very fortunate right now in the here and now And of course, things ebb and change and ebb and flow and it all goes, but it's too seriously to take serious. Mm. So you've got to have fun because without fun, there is no flow either for me. I Mm. I just, I think it's like the trim of a wave, isn't it? You go top to bottom and you've got depth and you've got lightness and light and dark. And, you know, without the two things together, then you're not whole completely. I, I always know when someone's in that very synchronistic,
0: harmonic, here and now presence. We were, there's loads of ways of describing it where they're kind of sort of dancing with the moment here yeah. and there. Like, they're just present. Yeah. I always notice when someone's like that because it never seems forced when they go deep, nor when they have something light and, and book a bit of fun and have some fun and humor. Whereas a lot of people I've met who are a bit more entrenched maybe in the ego, they can be either very, very, very heavy-hearted, mm. so very spiritual, quote-unquote, ultra-spiritual, as J.P. Sears takes the piss yeah. out of or... or constantly the other way, constantly joking, 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 to the point of it just seems forced. You can sense in humans if there's a an ease and a flowingness to them because they won't mind sometimes talking extensively into very, very deep conversations with no apology for it. No like, oh, sorry, that was a bit deep. Because that line, sorry, was a, a bit deep, Was is a bit like, why are you apologizing for being yourself? Like, you didn't force anything you just said for 20 minutes. You weren't draining on me. If you were forcing yourself to do it because you felt like you should... Well, now I'm getting fucking drained because why the fuck are you doing it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't do it because you feel like you should. Just speak naturally and let it come out. Then if it is humour, it's humour. If it's if it's depth, it's depth. When someone's present, it doesn't get very
1: draining because it's, it's natural. I think that's where we all, surfing or no surfing, as we said, sometimes surfing can be, and it's okay to take it seriously. We, we cleared that up last week. But it's also, it's about whether you take yourself seriously. But also it's what we do to other humans. You know when we're talking about you have these boxes that are put around you from sometimes a very early age around how you behave and what you're interested in and what you should do and what you should like because this is who you are, where you're from, what you should be into, blah, blah, blah. Whatever that might be. And that could be anything from sport to religion to sexuality. Find your own now. What is a healthy thing to do? But often as a combination of society and yourself. You build these walls around. And so as a society, it would be great to just give each other, and that's, maybe that's the group of my give everybody space to enable them to not be worried about saying the wrong thing or making mistakes or trying stuff. Because as soon as you get to that depth of real, authentic living and personality, everything flows anyway. But it's sometimes in the worrying about what you can do, say, in the certain company, if you like, because you're trying to project an image. We've all been, though. Oh, yeah.
0: Hell, yeah. Especially as you're growing
1: up and you're trying to impress peer groups. Even and then, to this day. It's the egos there. Yeah. yeah. And like say, you know, you see Ben Gravy talking to Jamie O'Brien in a different way because it's about big wave surfing. And it's still the authenticity there, but there's a slightly different yeah, vibe going on. course, of course, course. And so we all do it. But, you know, if we could all just give everyone else the space to breathe, <laughs> metaphorically and literally, then it just kind of becomes a more calm, easygoing world in which to kind of just live for the short, time that we're all kind of knocking about on this spinning earth rock deep breathe and fart freely that's all I'm going to say (laughs) (laughs) there's another t-shirt
0: that's a great tea
1: deep breathe before somebody farts
0: freely get the order right (laughs) you don't want to fart freely and then deep breathe (laughs) you don't want it unless it's your own if it's your own it's beautiful enjoy it hey hope you're enjoying the show if you connect with what we do here at the mindful surfer why not share it with your friends or go on over to itunes and leave us a review The more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. The Mindful Surfer is segment uh, number two. We just go through a bit of mindfulness just to kind of recenter and uh, raise the awareness. So take a deep breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And take a deep breath in. And breathe out. And deep breathe in. And breathe out. Just keep taking deep breaths whilst noticing the view that you can see around you. If you can see clouds, take in the clouds. If you can see walls, take in the walls. If you can See the road, take in the road, whatever. Just really take it in with focus. Just take one more deep breath in for me. So deep breath in. Hold your breath at the top. See what you see, and breathe out. Good work, guys. I was just doing um, some mindfulness coaching with someone earlier on today. They've been dealing with uh, migraine, which is not nice, and uh, I've never had one, but I hear they are awful. Yeah, it is what it is. So she came in, and we chatted about different methodologies and massage techniques, and supplements, nutrition, and all the different spectrum of things. But of course, for me, still the most important one of all is the um, how you perceive it and how you manage it through the stress levels. Basically, that's always the most important one. The reason why it is, is it kind of relates to this study, this wonderful study that was done on this one large group. Now, the one large group it was done on, the group, I've mentioned this study before, but I'll mention it again. It's worth mentioning all the time. But basically, this large group of people had one half divided into people who had meditated for about 10 years, and the other half of the group hadn't. Now those two groups didn't know that they were in two groups like that it was they, they just thought they were all doing one experiment you see so they had to hold a lighter underneath their hand by about 10 inches beneath the hand they had to hold it under there for 2 minutes just keep it there the flame going into the palm and then write down how they perceived the pain and the non-meditating group averaged between 7 to 10 and the meditating group averaged between 2 and 4 and this is a profound insight into perception now when I'm paddling out in vicious conditions, horrible on the body. I know I'm fit. I know that. and I've got strong arms and I've got all those things. Now, listen, you can never deny the body. The body is the body in in surfing. You know, there'll be times where you just need to put in that work into there. But um, most of the biggest changes in someone's surfing progression are mental. Because if you're hurting when you're paddling out, it's either I'm hurting and, or I'm just hurting. That's like a fucking black and white. That's massive. And I see people not get out all the time who are quite capable, quite fit, but they're just weak of mind. And I wouldn't even say it's weak of mind as in, oh, you're weak, like a weak bicep. I more mean that they're too quick to allow the mind to dictate the truth. And the truth is you can keep paddling. Yeah. You just take another stroke. It hurts. Oh, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. yeah. People go, yeah, but I don't want to hurt. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you want something good in life, it's going to fucking hurt at times. Apologies in advance. Your swear
1: count's up today. It's really up today. Sorry, mum and dad. Sorry, mum and dad. It's how you perceive it. It's how you perceive it. Absolutely. You know, one of the biggest gains I've made with my own surfing development in the last, let's say, three years is riding the highs, lows better. And actually riding the lows better, not the highs, and pushing them a little bit closer to the centre ground. So I think you said to me the other day something about not wiping out or whatever it was. And I think the change was it's just more about if it happens, it happens and it just go again. And and I know there were some pretty big beatings I was joking about earlier on that's really threw me actually from a safety perspective and sort of really freaked me out a bit when we were surfing maybe about a year and a half ago or last year in some places that uh, were just really pushing the limits of where I was at the time. But what I did, perhaps that I kind of tried, we coached on and I sort of had to really work on is that I took some of those things almost too personally. (laughs) And then that starts to eat into your motivation to go again. And so it's more of that, it is actually going to hurt. And reading this book, and I'll put the links into it again, and and I'll sort of update you on that, that it's not the kind of old-fashioned sense of no pain, no gain, but there is a lot in that. And if you look at all of those people that achieve impossible with a capital I, and let's keep the big wave surfing thing going at the moment, whether it's probably like Laird, Hamilton or Peter Mell, there's been loads of pain from a physical and probably a mental perspective, in their journey to where they are, and so it's all a little bit about what's your impossible. Let's say with a, a lowercase i to quote Stephen Kotler, is how do you push through your equivalent pain? You know, not the same because oh no no, biological no, no, we're hardwired differently. I'm just you know, living in different places, Living in different yeah, places, conditioning. Yeah. It's yeah. How do you overcome that with mind work, body work, stoke work? Let's call it to get you through to that next level, if you're curious enough to want mm. to get there. Mm. You're right, you know, giving up is often not the body, because the body can do way more, as you will know in your uh, sort of physical coach as well, Will, as well as mindset, is that your body can do more than your mind thinks it can.
0: Oh, hell yeah. It's so much more. And it's really interesting because it's kind of, like, this term mental strength gets banded around, but I don't think that's what it is. That the people who have grit and persevere through awful paddle outs, but still get out the back or constantly falling off and not quite making that turn or being frustrated with the wrong equipment or crowds and surfing or whatever it might be. The people who have that grit to keep coming back again and again who seem to keep progressing and enjoying it too because that's the thing, why progress if you're not going to enjoy it? It's for joy itself. Um, Not in the most obvious sense, much more subtle sense, the deeper sense of the resistance you've got to go through to get to joy and the satisfaction happiness. Going back to Aristotle earlier on today, it's there's immense satisfaction in Pushing through and continuing on and all that kind of the stoicism of it all. I don't see it as mental strength when someone can handle a brutal paddle out versus someone else who might be just as fit who can't. It's actually just how you manage your thoughts. So let's say you wipe out. There'll be post wipe out thoughts. How do you manage them? Are you intertwined with them? And do you believe that they are who you are? As in, do you think you are your ego? Or are you practicing something in your day that enables you to rewire the connection to who you are, which is the observer? Now, when you're observing thoughts, you see that they're not who you are. They're just thoughts to do with perceived self, the ego. So if you're able to cultivate a practice that's able to see those thoughts, well, as soon as you're watching them, thoughts only last as long as thoughts need to last, and they pass. If you try to resist them, try to get rid of them, they last even longer. So I don't think it's mental strength. I think it's just mindfulness. If someone's
1: mindful of their thoughts, they pass.
0: And then they can get back to getting back on with the next task, the next wave,
1: or the next duck dive, or whatever. Grit's a good word, and it's one that kind of will come up again in this Stephen book, actually, grit. And as I say, I'll, I'll leave this now until uh, next week when we we'll talk about it a little bit more when I've, I've sort of finished it. But grit is a really big part sometimes of pushing through that resistance, isn't it? It's the grit to push through that resistance. But one of the little hacks, and I kind of whether this is sort of flippant or not with regards to your mind sometimes not wanting to do something, dials back to somebody we come back to and getting very, very, very popular is actually a little bit of Wim Hof, but also in the chat that Wim Hof and I think an Aubrey Marcus had about cold water. Because, you know, people taking the piss about my cold water showers, which I've now done every single morning since the beginning of January. And it's getting easier, but it feels great. I'm going to sort of say that now. I was always sceptical of people who told me that, but it definitely does. But their take on it was this, is that you don't want to do that you don't want to turn the cold shower on. It requires a degree of going through your mind telling you that that's not a place of comfort. And at the time I was reading it thinking, hmm, yeah, is this a bit woo-woo? This is kind of, yeah, yeah, okay. My mind doesn't want to do it. But you start to see that, of course, it doesn't want to do it. And for me, it took a while. It was very resistant to me turning the cold shower on after my warm shower at the end, just to kind of have this blast. But now, once you push through that with the relentless, you keep going back to it, and you push in the resistance, and you push the resistance. It still doesn't make it a super, I desperately want to do that, but you just do it because it becomes a thing that you do. You push through. You have the, let's use the lowercase g grit to keep turning that shower to cold every single morning without passing up on it. And actually, the only times I have missed it is when we've gone early surfing and I don't have a shower because the fish don't care whether you smell in your wetsuit, do they? You just have this little bit where you go, okay, that's like a micro-adjustment to my life but it also helps you visualize how to maybe confront the things that previously your mind said, nope, <laughs> mm. <laughs> not, don't do that. It's going to be uncomfortable. Damn straight.
0: I get it every day, yeah. every day. The inertia to not do something is is um, is always there. And uh, having meditated for a number of years, six, seven years, every single morning, but it's still there. It's amazing. You'd imagine I've therefore meditated in the morning, I don't know, two thousand, three and a half thousand Mm. times, maybe if you work it out, Mm. and it's still there. That's the aspect of being human. We are built and and we have evolved to pick the path of least resistance. So you're almost going against your evolution to work through that inertia. But the difference that with our ancestors, the advantage they had was they had to, yeah, move through the inertia. You don't have to. So it's also being kind to yourself too when you skip on habits and you skip on good things that. You know we're going to help you surfing, like stretching, strength training, a good meal versus a takeaway, and beers versus water. And, you know, your hunter-gatherer friend from 25,000 years ago, let's pick a date, they had no fucking choice. They didn't have conversations about motivation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really find out what little motivation
1: mm. matters. Shall I have a chia seed smoothie, or shall I try and survive this oncoming onslaught from yeah. whatever yeah. is attacking yeah. me tonight?
0: That's it. And then, therefore, let's also be kind to ourselves. You know, a lot of people don't cultivate new habits that are good for them, ever. And is there anything wrong, quote, unquote, with that? No. No. If you stay as the same surfer today as you are whenever, and that's with niggles and too much body fat and you get annoyed about stuff, I don't know, whatever, does it really matter in the grand scheme of the universe? No. But if it matters to you and you're listening to this, well, do something about it.
1: Yeah. And like I said, you know, this is not the... Lectury, preachery, mindful, surfery kind of vibe that we're trying to do because we make we fall off the horse all the time, you know. At time and I certainly do, and kind of real world things get in the way of the idealistic view of what we're trying. So we're trying to do this alongside everybody and just do bits and pieces here and there, and some bits you take and leave, and other bits you will sort of dip into from time to time. And if we can just help you make a little micro improvement to. The feeling you get from a, a cutback when you complete it or you get from slightly changing certain parts of your diet or you do things with your mind that just turn that little volume upon the stoke uh, machine. We've done a good job then. And that's hopefully what we're bringing here.
0: Amazing. Love that, dude. Orgasmic, I've got to say.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm going to have a little thing. You know, like you're, Jamie you're O'Brien getting, has this. It's st- like a little orgasm. I, no, did, do you know, I didn't come, but I... Do you know Jamie O'Brien has that stoke foot or sight counter? If you watch any of his videos, and some of you might like them, some of you might find it very annoying, is oh, yeah, the ping, 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 ping. Oh, yes. Site counter, yeah. I'm getting your potty mouth counter
0: dialed Pot in. Pot counter. Yeah. Segment number three, mind, body, stoke. Things Liam and I have been doing with our minds and bodies to raise the stoke. I overdid it on the surfing, which <laughs> a lot of people might better say, yeah, yeah, go figure, you know, 11 days of surfing in a row. I'm a personal trainer and mindfulness coach, so I know about... Muscle balance and rest and all these things. And if I'm going to surf every day like that, something's got to give. And it's the amount of stretching I've had to do. So relentless amounts of stretching. So let's say surfing two or three hours a day, I have done extra stretching to supplement all that extra work going on in my body. There's no way I could have avoided the stretching and carried on and not got, let's say, a cold or picked up an injury or, or actually just not even surfed very well. So my surfing performance was pretty good all throughout. But then I had the surf yesterday. Again, a great spot. Started off the surf, brilliant, really, really good. First half hour, bang hitting the lip cutbacks catching waves in a good flow really feeling the experience of stoke and you know when it was getting crowded on the outside sit on the inside when i'd had a few inside bombs get on the outside and it was a banging surf and it got to about 50 minutes possibly to an hour and i started to get really drained and there is so only so many times you can take from the well you just got to give back with rest just basic physics i was just surfing not very well for what I can do. And, and getting very much out of the vortex, thinking thoughts, of, oh, I really you want to finish this surf on a high? And oh, there's not going to be swell for another week after this. And I've got to, all that bollocks. Basically, thoughts, overthinking, overthinking, not really in the experience of the surf, but more in the experience of thinking. It brings me to this insight. I should, whatever should is, I might want to next time, that's a better way of putting it, get out after the 45 minute mark. When I really felt that massive crash, that dip, just get out, get out on a high. Lead the party on a highlight, as you alluded to earlier on, dude, before we started the show. And surfing, the challenge of surfing, it's so unstructured compared to rugby, football, tennis, dot, 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 where there's breaks for drinks. You have a stretch. You have a rest. You There's a set. They have a rest. Sit down for a bit. You have another set. Like There's so much structure. And then the chaos unfolds
1: with the games themselves. But with surfing, it's just all chaos. You can stay in for as long as you want, arguably, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like we were saying about the fact that it's a unique, because it's a, well, what is it, pastime, sport, free surf, whatever. But let's use the framework of sport for now when you're talking about, because it's about overtraining and it's about playing for too many minutes of a game. Now, if you had the coach scenario, which we don't have in surfing, what we're doing, as we say, they would substitute you anyway at that point or take you off the field. Or if you were training with a PT, they'd say, right, that's enough now, you're done. Nobody says that in surfing. You have to do it to yourself. So this idea that you leave the party early... Because you're having a great time. Oh, the music's going, the drinks are flowing, we're dancing, because that's what surfing is. I keep saying, man, everybody's having a good time. But there comes a point when everybody's had too much to drink, they're a little bit tired and emotional, and things don't go as well as they have been going. And if you stay beyond that point, you kind of start to eat into the stoke levels that you've already accumulated. You're taking it back out of the bank. So it's knowing when to get to the (laughs) cloakroom, pick your coat up, and leave before it gets too late. And then you take home. A great spirit, good vibe. You know, because we're trying to fill our boots with this stuff. Yeah, we go. We go over surf. I started the other day, you know, got some great waves when I went in for a little evening surf. It sort of changed a little bit. The dynamic changed. And I thought, is it the dynamic? Or am I just now knackered? And I'm just not really catching as many waves. There's a point I know, and I don't know if anybody else who's listening to this feels it, is that there's always a moment when I really notice that I'm not catching the waves I was catching in the first bit of the session. I realise I'm not even trying to get the waves anymore. It's like there's something before your mind notices it, your body's already gone, like, that's enough.
0: <laughs> body leads yeah. before mine, it's true. Yeah, yeah I, I was having the exact same, actually. Yeah. I was just floating around a little yeah. bit. And yeah, just call it. You know, if you're listening to this and you tend to get this kind of fatigue, once it sets in, boom, yeah. just get in. It might not be the planned three hours you had set aside yeah. for this, oh, I'm going to surf because yeah. I haven't surfed for ages and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, The universe doesn't work like that. No. There's the time? What? You know, yeah. one way makes a session and the fact that you got in and, you know, are you going to be happier because you've served 20 ways versus
1: yeah. five ways? Well, any
0: difference is, is minute and would wear off anyway. Yeah,
1: But it's whether you can channel your inner and pick your own sports coach, whatever, whether you're American football, Aussie rules, whatever, cricket, rugby, where you have your inner Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, or your inner Gareth Southgate or whoever it might be, you know, on your own bench ins- internally in your head where you want to hear them saying, Ah, mate, get him off now. He's done. He's done. (laughs) Let's have him off the pitch, mate.
0: Mine would have been get off the fucking pitch, you (laughs) kook. You look shit. (laughs) That reminds me of Dave. Where's David?
1: Right, that's it. Off. You're done. But it's true, isn't it? You're done,
0: mate. You're cooked.
1: Any other time, people would be saying he is burnt or she is burnt let's get them out get them off the field of play they're going to hurt themselves or somebody else
0: massively massively. even just rehydrating every I mean we tend to stay in the ocean obviously we sort of feel hydrated in a roundabout way because we're in water but god we get dehydrated Mm surfing. so every 20 minutes get out water back in that was one I did the other day we had little breaks because I was going to do a surf lesson and then I had came in just to kind of tweak some board stuff fins and I had more water couple of sips of coffee I'd taken down there, a bit of extra fuel, a bit of a caffeine, Just but interspersing it into the surf. And yeah. it did have a real impact. No, oh, i do it more often. The other one is to put like little energy gels mm. under the wrist cuff of your wetsuit. Not a bad idea. Mm. Even better than that, like a much more organic version, like some sort of date, mm. chocolate-type mm. ball that you can stuff down there. That would survive yeah. a bit of liquid or whatever, to, just to keep that little bit of fuel going. We don't really... Surfing is so... Um, so wild. We just don't think of structure within it, do we?
1: I know. That's what we'll have next. Surf balls bring you energy during the surf. Very nice. That's what the show's brought to you by. The Mindful Surfer is brought to you by surf balls. By surf balls. Have you got anything you want to share? I think a bit like you, over-training, you know, because uh, you and I are not training in the gym with all the sort of restrictions and so on. So I've kind of set myself up a little bit in the house and before my cold shower in the mornings, I try and do a little bit of a circuit. But as I was saying to you the other day, I say, oh, my arms are aching. And you, you're like, oh. you know, we've surfed a lot, but I'm used to that now. But what i realized I'm doing is in the mornings, I'm doing pressers, pull-ups, a little bit of a weight circuit, and then surfing in the afternoon, having tried a little bit of in- fasting and <laughs> all the other stuff. And I think at my age as well, I've just probably worn my body out sometimes. It's just taking it, you know, step by step. Not overtraining for me is a big thing at the moment in order to not sort of kill the surfs. The other thing on the mind is just accepting that, and again, we've spoke to a lot of people who listen to the show about this who can't surf at the moment, is accepting that, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to access it because I live near the sea, but there are other responsibilities sometimes that stop me getting in in the window that we get surf, the right tide or the right time or the right light, because uh, life gets in the way. And we'll do a show actually with a theme about that, you know, family and life and other things that get in the way, the the other surf blockers that come up. So yeah, bit of that.
0: Yeah, it happens. It's really easy for it to happen. I think surfing... In terms of the pure science of physiology in surfing as an exercise, it's mostly concentric load, which means you're only doing the pump phase. So in any muscle contraction, let's say you take a dumbbell, pick it up. As you curl it towards you, towards your chin, that's the concentric. And as you lower it, it's eccentric. Now, the lowering bit of a weight is the thing that damages muscles the most. It's what makes them sore, and it's what gives you muscle repair. And then growth, mainly, you get most of your growth through that. But of course, it takes much more repair. Now, if you were to compare... Surfing to running. If you were a professional, like I am, designing a running program, and you're a professional designing a surfing program, you could have way more surfing going on than running, because the damage surfing does to your muscles is literally 70% less than running. But it's why cycling is quite good as well, because cycling is another form of great exercise, but because it's low impact, because it's like surfing, and it's just the pump bit, you're not having to land and control your body weight. It doesn't require anywhere near that same level of repair. Very few cyclists will tell you they have sore legs. You don't get get tired legs as a cyclist and you get tired arms as a surfer, but they don't get sore Mm, per se. Where you get a difference, and this is where you've got to really manage your training as a surfer, is if you are surfing a lot and then you're putting in eccentric work, which is very important for your surfing, you've got to put some strength work in there to get stronger. at snaps, at turns and things is just get the dose right. We don't need that much at all. I'd say on shoulders, arms, chest and back, let's call it upper body, one to two sets of chin-type work, press-up-type work for the whole week. And the same with the lower body. And then the rest can be then walking, surfing, stretching. I'd say that mobility, if there's one thing that needs to be at the kind of base of everything, is mobility. That's the ultimate. So getting a very disciplined kind of morning and evening or lunch or whenever you can mobility routine, I think is absolutely paramount because it means then when you then go to surf, when you then go to lift weights, when you then go to move, you move better and you move more efficiently and you don't get as injured and as niggled. So the mobility one is the biggie.
1: I really see that, especially with what I've had to do with myself is if you can't perform that manoeuvre, obviously it's a slightly different one because there's no resistance when you're in the sea, but if you can't perform that manoeuvre on land, you can't perform it in the sea. That's a great, that's a lovely way of looking at it. So if somebody said, oh, I, can't, like that. I can't get my arm over this, sh-. if you can't get your left arm up and over, which I was struggling to do and I'm still working on it, I thought, why when I look at pictures of myself, so my hand's down there and I'm not kind of coming up over the shoulder, couldn't necessarily do it outside of the ocean. We kind of think we're going to go into this magic place where we can do all of these things that you can't do even without the chaos of waves and paddling and all of that stuff. So that's why mobility, I think for me, has been the biggest hack is make your body mobile and then, you know, start training, start start developing.
0: Totally. Mobility. Plus power, plus strength. You are the best surfer you can be. And on that front with power, that's why your body fat levels make a massive difference because you can't be the most powerful athlete you can be if you're carrying anything more than just a few pounds. It's pure weight weighing down that power aspect. So if you combine all those bits with the nutrition, yeah, you can take your surfing to levels that you never even thought imaginable from before. Segment number three. Surf media insight. You got Anything you want to share, Do
1: Well, you know, I see a little bit of the Torren Martin stuff, and I love the way he flows on his board, but I find myself occasionally zo- in, uh, watching this stuff to zone out, and I often fall asleep to Torren stuff. Love him as I do. Because <laughs> it's got that kind of music, and it's all very sort of... It's like six-foot barreling.
0: Oh, yeah. It's hip It looks all right, mate. Hipster yeah. flow,
1: isn't it? It's, it's really, about making it, yeah. And then I watch the flip side of that. Stab do some good stuff, and... Oh, no, it's Rip Curl, The Search, I think. It was Rip Curl. And there's this young Aussie surfer Morgs, and it was postcards from Morgs, Morgan Siblich, I think he's called. I, forgot his I was going to say Stanley, then. yeah, 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 Morgan Stanley, <laughs> yeah. well-known surfer, and he's surfing with McFanning and the Wrights, and it's quite sort of lighthearted, very juvenile, some of it. But what I loved watching about it was seeing McFanning surf again because the power and the the grace and just the things he does on a wave. I could watch him all day, given the Aussies are big up here, but I love watching Steph Gilmore and Mick Fanning surf. They both surf. Do you really? I love it. I just love the kind of the lines and the fluidity and, the, and Mick, uh, the power. He's just so raw. When he lays down a carve on a good wave
0: on his high-performing boards, it's just nothing like it. Just that it's beautiful. It's the spray on a wave when you're watching it. It looks stunning because it's kind of, it's like a sort of form of artwork, isn't it? Yeah. It's that spray paint. There it goes. And then it exists just for that moment where the water's all contorted to that spray and then it disappears. So it's temporary as well, which makes it magical as well. It's like it's a moment in time and then it's gone. I can relate to that on the spray front, not on the level of obviously what Mick can create, but on that front of having had these recent swells come through and it's been really, really good. And I thought there'd be a couple of real nice shots of spray from my board. I didn't really get that. And it's such a strange... Thing. You want to see that spray. You want to see that big, big hack. For me personally, my biggest work on is that front side aspect of that. Backside have got that down more. I think most people have. If you're doing a backside turn, the pure physics are easier. The balance, I think approximately 20 to 40% more power you can put into a backside turn of a carve in mm-hmm. particular than you can a forehand because forehand you're leaning away from the turn and you're imbalanced. Whereas you're more balanced. Going backside into that tow rail is more natural. So I've got some half-decent photos of me over the years doing some backside hacks and, and calves. But frontside, I'm still yet to see that proper spray. And then I sort of envy other surfers, surfing mate of ours who can hack. This is Tom. Yeah. That, hack it so hard in his frontside. He does. Looks sick. He's just got this very powerful set of legs. And this is the thing with surfing. It's just very, very important to never compare yourself unconsciously but if you were to compare yourself consciously it would be to say cool well tom's got legs that are that powerful he's very so similar to mcfanning let's just work at the training and get to there and be powerful i thought he was mcfanning when i first saw him.: he's like the english version that, is that mcfanning and I love the break <laughs> such a yeah. legend one thing i want to mention before we finish is um i'm watching this program called new lives in the wild by ben fogel so check that out if you can you might have already heard of it already what this guy does, basically, is he hangs out with people who are living these very unique lifestyles. They've ditched their job, so to speak, and they've gone to live in, let's say, a, a tent in a field. That's an example. And he just meets all these different people in these different parts of the world. And the insight that really comes through for me, episode after episode after episode, is let's call him Dave. If Dave was tired, grumpy, stressed and miserable in his let's say classic kind of societal life of you know 9 to 5 job and blah, blah, and blaming all of that as why he's unhappy and then ditching all that to then get to the yurt and the country house to you know live self-sustained and by the sea and it's all just wonderful is that when ben's doing the interview with let's say this person his whole vibe and his whole attitude is that there's just as many problems there as there were when he was living his other lifestyle so it becomes this thing well wherever you go
1: there you are Totally, I love that show. as you well. You
0: follow you everywhere, no matter where, no matter where you go. To you go to better waves, you go to cleaner air. You go to oh, I'm living now, but even by the in this beautiful landscape, you go wherever you go. Nothing really changes until you change,
1: until your perception stage. And having made those mistakes myself, you fetishize these things and think there's the solution. And of course, there are things with that come with fresh air, better vitamin D, better access to good food, and all of those things. But a large part of the contentment starts with where you're at in all of the sort of line that runs through you, the internal stuff that does come to pass in that program quite a bit. And yeah, you know, it looks amazing. And if you haven't resolved the things that need resolving, they'll come with you. You take that with you. Completely. And up. that's massive for a lot of those things. And as we've said, we've waves wherever you surf, that's where you are. There you go. What a lovely way to wrap. Yeah. Wrap it up. Thanks for all the listens lately, guys. The podcast has been growing. It has. Hasn't it? it? And we're so it's, grateful. It's uh, Yeah. It's so really good to have everybody along for the ride. And, you know, we love hanging out with you all on a weekly basis. And we thank you for your support. So, yeah, leave us a little review or get in touch on social and let us know what you think. Or if there's anything else you want us to cover or we've got some ideas that we're going to start to grow. But it's so good having this community building that we're uh, we're stoked to come in here and do this time after time. Awesome. Awesome. Nice one, guys. See you next week. See you soon. Bye.